Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Today, Le Chic Golf Rick. We say Wowser, 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 as Leverkusen finish off the calendar year in style. In Wolfsburg, Kane was on hand again to win it for Bayern, while VfB Stuttgart continued their fantastic run with a win over Augsburg. We also check on, on Cologne's latest woes, show a bit of empathy for struggling Darmstadt, and scratch our heads until they're bloody. What the hell is going on at Borussia Dortmund? All of this and a lot more in this week's edition of Bee and Honey. Hello, dear listeners. Hello, dear subscribers. Uh, this is Beer and Honey. We're back with another episode. I'm Rafael Honigstein. And I'm Christoph Biermann. And we're happy that you're here to listen to our big match day 16 review, which is also the last match day of this calendar year. The Bundesliga going into the winter break. We are not just yet, but no more games until January. So a good time to check out who's been losing and who's been winning beyond the latest set of results. Christoph, let's start with a team that's certainly getting things right at the moment. Yet to lose a game, yet to drop many points, really. Of course, the leaders, Leverkusen, and they finished this first half of the season off in real style. 4-0 over, very sorry to say, Frauffel Bochum, with Patrick Schick being the hat-trick hero. Three goals and Victor Boniface with a fourth one. I mean, we knew that Leverkusen were good. Did we know they would be this good this season? No, is the answer. It's a rhetorical question. Christoph, how impressed are you with this team? Yesterday, again, I was I was deeply impressed uh, with them. And they were setting a new um, uh, record in, in, in German football uh, because they were the first team not to lose in 25 uh, games overall competitions. Um, that's quite an achievement. And um, you mentioned Patrick Schick yesterday. And uh, some of our listeners might wonder, oh, why didn't Victor Boniface didn't start? Um, uh, Xabi Alonso decided to bench... Um, the players that very likely will go to the African Cup of Nations in January, uh, Victor Boniface, Kosunu, and Tapsoba were also on the bench. Um, and uh, Boniface came on later, Tapsoba as well. And, <laughs> and, and it, was, it was so fascinating to see because in the first 28 minutes, um, Bochum was really creating some problems for, for Bayer, maybe because um, the, the new team had uh, adjusted a bit, um, maybe because Bochum uh, played it well. They didn't create much, but uh, they prevented um, Leverkusen from creating anything. And then a 15-minute uh, <laughs> thunderstorm uh, went over Bochum. Uh, it started with a uh, with a penalty, uh, and uh, in brackets, I've got a question concerning Fußball Deutsch and Fußball English. Um, we say es war ein harter Elfmeter, 
And I think in, in English you say it was a soft penalty. Is that true? Yeah, soft in the sense that um, you can give it, but perhaps shouldn't or... Oh, wait, also in Deutsch, can one say, I've heard weicher Elfmeter, no? I've heard it, no? No, no, no. You, were, you, were, you, you would always take the perspective of the uh, a team that, <laughs> that, that uh, suffers from the penalty. That conceded so was, the penalty, yeah. The, that uh, the conceded the penalty, and um, so it was a harder, elf, a, 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 a tough decision, but anyhow... Uh, Patrick Schick converted um, the first one and uh, two minutes later or 102 seconds later he scored the second after a fantastic counter-attack and from then on for Bochum it was only another learning Fußball Deutsch Learning Fußball Deutsch with beer and honey Schadensbegrenzung Uh, a kind of uh, limitation. Damage limitation. Damage limitation. Would 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 anybody in English in England talk about this in the context of football? Yeah, I've heard it. Bef I've heard it before, but it's not something that uh, that is being mentioned too often. Yeah, and, um, and so so Leverkusen created a, a lot of chances uh, in the second half. Uh, Bochum decided not to attack high up as they did in in the first half and uh, tried to park the bus a bit more. And uh, the fourth goal came after a pass from um, Florian Wirtz that was not from this world. I mean this, um, and and and. Um, I thought it was <laughs> almost when 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 you when you watched this game it it looked like I said it was a good performance by by Bochum uh, um, but it's like it's unfair that this team this Bayer team is so good and um, and I have expressed my doubts about them uh, becoming a German champion. And still, I have a bit of these doubts in the back of my mind. But right now, it's the best, by far, I, I would even say, uh, the best team in Germany. And we have uh, a lot of good teams in, in Germany right now. Well, at least three. I can think of three. Three and a half. But uh, they're the best ones. <laughs> three and a half. They're top of the table. And they hardly concede goals anymore. What what a performance. If I was wearing a hat at this point, I would take it off. Yeah, 12, 12 goals conceded, yeah. Christoph, in 16 games. I mean, that is quite remarkable. Okay, I mean, we might as well go down the table because still in second place, No closer to Leverkusen than they were before this match day, albeit with a game in hand, are Bayern Munich. They had a pretty annoying, I would say, appointment at Valfer Wolfsburg. Not necessarily a tough place to go to, but not a team you want to play either, especially with Nico Kovac wanting to prove a point, the former Bayern manager. And Wolfsburg managed to keep Bayern at bay for about 30 minutes or so. But then the deadlock was broken by Jamal Muziala with a header. And Harry Kane added a second and the game was basically done. Um, Maximilian Arnold pulled one back. 
just before half time, but nothing really happened in the second half. And Bayern, a classic Bayern performance, I would say. They they won, they looked fairly comfortable, but they never really thrilled us too much in this game. Be- also because some of their counterattacks were a little bit sloppy, as they have been before. Yeah, but Thomas Tuchel um, afterwards um, said that he was very happy with the performance of the team because so many uh, players were were uh, so tired and need need a rest. Some of them um, were not, not really fit. Um, he was uh, mentioning Rafael Guerrero, who had uh, got a a virus or so and didn't sleep the whole night before the game and um, it's that uh, Bayern midfield virus <laughs> the Bayern midfield virus exactly and um, and I think sometimes this if you have so many um, viruses uh, in football squads it also has to do with uh, that the general energy level of the player is very low so that they easier tend to to infect them uh, to 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 be infected so yeah and uh, so it um, and we should mention that uh, both Leon Goretzka and Jose Kimmich missed a second game in a row which of course did make Bayern uh, slightly less than full strength in the center Guerrero and Pavlovich uh, the 19 year old uh, once again playing in the field but sorry to interrupt. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> I think we should uh, mention Jamal Musiala, who uh, had his uh, 100th uh, uh, um, Bundesliga game, and he is the youngest player to to achieve this. And I think for Bayern fans and for the Bayern soul, the most important message uh, was not this 2-1 win in Wolfsburg. Not that Thomas Müller uh, set both goals up, but that he extended his contract until 2025. How excited are you? How much does Thomas Müller still touches your your Bayern heart? Of course he touches my Bayern heart. Am I excited? No, because I think it's it was bound to happen. And he is now transitioning towards the elder statesman role, towards maybe being um, a future Bayern official in some capacity in years to come. But I think he has a lot to give when it comes to leadership. This is a team that is a little bit low on leaders, a little bit low on characters as well. Uh, Bayern have tried to address it in the summer and are continuing to to keep an eye on that, but he is an important important player, even if he doesn't get quite the minutes. And to be fair to him, in the last few weeks, he's been playing more and he's been doing pretty well. So I'm, I'm very happy. I think Bayern are very happy. And again, I think, as, as was the case with Manuel Neuer, the vision of playing the Champions League final in Munich in 2025 Prove too tempting to finish now because just imagine, imagine you stop and you see Bayern make it to the final and you're not there. Uh, they'll be the only two survivors, of course, from from 2012, and that would be quite the career arc. But there'll be some other teams who will want to go to Munich as well. Anyway, Thomas Müller will stay 
with us for another year. And another big name in Bayern Cup history, uh, Hoeneß, is staying with Stuttgart. But it's, of course, it's Sebastian Hoeneß, the nephew of Uli and son of Dieter, who once again, after that very disappointing and uh, disheartening, perhaps, <laughs> beating that Bayern administered to them at the weekend, came back very strongly with a 3-0 win over Augsburg. And, and afterwards, Emil Demirovic, the Augsburg forward, said, we've rarely been taken to the cleaners as much as Stuttgart have done to us. I'm paraphrasing slightly. Hergespielt, he said in German. Played off the park. Played off the park. And another team, Christoph, that we've been praising all along, but they deserve yet more praise because they're once again absolutely fantastic. Yeah, but but we see. I, I think we see a gap. It's it's. Uh, there are two teams that uh, are competing for the title, and that's uh, Bayer and Bayern. And there are um, two other teams, or one and a half other teams, uh, that are really uh, playing very well having, in, in the case of uh, Stuttgart, um, one of the best seasons ever so far. Um, and um, But they, um, I think, will not, uh, will, even in the second part of the season, will not uh, uh, fight for the German title. But it, it feels now almost... Uh, be sure that they will uh, play in the Champions League um, and that would be a fantastic achievement uh, for Stuttgart. But there is a big but um, because uh, it's not only that Seru Girassi, who has now scored 17 goals, uh, will go to the African Cup, uh, African Cup of Nations in January. It's played in, in Ivory Coast. Um, but maybe uh, Stuttgart has to sell him because um, that he has a release clause um, for, I think, 20 million euros or so in summer. Maybe even less, yeah. Or, or maybe even it's only 15 million. And, uh, and now in winter, there could be a chance uh, maybe to get much more money from, uh, for him. Uh, and I think if you look at his performance, <laughs> there should be a market for him because... Um, um, yeah, he has been outstanding in, in the Bundesliga. So, um, and 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 honestly, um, uh, that would uh, reduce the uh, capacity of uh, Stuttgart. I wouldn't say dramatically, but uh, remarkably in in the second part of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see how they how they will manage that. Um, You said two and a half good teams. I wonder, Stuttgart is the half, yeah? That, that's it. No, I, Or did you say two and a half teams after Leverkusen? Two and a half team after Leverkusen. So it's, it's of course, Bayern. It's, of course, Stuttgart and, uh, and also uh, Leipzig. Or is, is Leipzig ah. the full, for, for you, the full... <laughs> full fat, good team. No, I think it's a good team light. The top team light because they, I don't think there's anything wrong with them. I just think that they are not quite there yet. And 
again, I don't think it should be a surprise. It's a, it's a new team, lots of changes. And they've sometimes failed to press home the advantage in games. And I guess the game against Bremen would be, would be a really good example of that because they were leading 1-0 after Penda scored. And then Ninjima scored uh, the equalizer. And to draw at Werder Bremen, I mean, if you are a real top team, not just a half or three quarter top team. <laughs> you have to you have to win at Werder Bremen, with all due respect to our northern friends. Yeah, um, and um, yeah, I, I I think you're you're right. Uh, nothing wrong with RB Leipzig, um, uh, sporting wise, um, and um, uh, and uh, but yes, I think we 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 have to praise them. For, for how successful the transition after the, uh, so many good players left uh, has worked and, and not uh, to complain that they are not on the level of, uh, of Bayer and Bayern. Um, so, and the gap uh, behind them to the fifth place is big, six points. And there is, yeah, ooh, Hmm. Hmm. So let's talk about Borussia Dortmund. One of the mis most mysterious performances <laughs> of a football team um, I've seen. Mysterious and recent. at the same time, not entirely unpredictable, nor surprising in the context of their season. But uh, yeah, they they were brilliant in the first half against FSV Mainz. In the first 30 minutes. They took the lead. They conceded from a cross where they could have really defended much better. And in the second half, it was one of the worst games I've seen from a so-called top team in a long time. They were just as abysmal. Until the last uh, two and a half minutes of injury time, I mean, what's going on there? Yeah. Um, I think if we could answer this question properly, um, we could, we could um, earn a lot of money. Because I think at Borussia Dortmund, a lot of, a lot of people are in doubt what, what's really wrong. Is it the coach? Is it the um, composition of the squad? Is it something else what, what what's uh, the explanation i mean christoph maybe you could uh, sign a new consultant deal in place of matthias summer if you find the answer <laughs> for for, for aki Watzke. <laughs> yeah um i don't know um if if uh, I, I, but, but 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 let's talk about it um, so in in the um, right now everybody is discussing it in Terzic. Um, is he good enough for Borussia Dortmund? Is he a kind of super fan mascot, but uh, so limited as a as a as a coach that he is not really helping? So that's mainly uh, the discussion right now because he wasn't able to. Um, to stabilize the team. We have praised them this season for fantastic performances, especially in the Champions League. Really, really impressive. No joke, no, no freak results, blah, 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 but really solid, good. Um, not, not 
solid, excellent performances. And then this, for example, this game against, especially the second half gegen Mainz that you uh, um, des described, and, and that was shocking. So um, yeah, what's your take? I mean, is this the, um, the coach's fault or what, what's, what's, what, what, what's wrong there? I don't think it's just one reason. I think it's worth making the point that their transfer policy this summer hasn't been a spectacular success. I think to uh, to phrase it in a in a very balanced and careful manner, they brought in a few players: Felix Mecha, um, Baini, Fulkrug. I mean. All decent players, but the kind of players that will make a difference for a team that wants to win the league, that has aspirations to go far into the Champions League, not sure. And there are question marks about Eden Terzic. And they come from the manner of the performances because often Dortmund look a little bit clueless on the pitch. No, no more so than in the second half where you felt they had no idea what they were supposed to do. But also when you listen to the players, the players have been complaining, the players have been have been talking about the, um, at times, very defensive setup, that it doesn't work for them. And I feel that a coach who really controls the dressing room, who really, not through discipline, but through his knowledge, through the way he helps players and the team win football games, I don't think we would have this kind of noise, these kind of debates in the background. There are always individual players who are unhappy. But to see, to see players come out and say, today we had the wrong approach, uh, you know, the setup was different than we expected from the other team. There's a lot of stuff going on throughout the season where they're kind of saying, or you can interpret it that way, that Ezin Terzic isn't helping us enough here. We need, we need more. And I think for a coach who is very pragmatic, who is more of a guy who solves problems, you know, every game is a problem that needs to be solved. Mm -hmm. And you pick a formation, you pick your players, you pick a strategy. And if it doesn't work, you change it a little bit. And it all worked very beautifully until the last game of the season, the second half of the season. And perhaps there are enough people in Dortmund that still believe that with more time to kind of solve the problem, Terzic will find again the right solutions. But even if he does, I think when you're so problem-orientated, <laughs> when it's, it's so much about every single game, there is a danger that the team on the whole doesn't really have a clearly defined way of playing. And maybe we sometimes read too much into that from the outside. But I think something to hold on to when things don't go for you, some, some kind of patterns, some kind of fixed ideas, they seem to be missing in this team. Yeah, I agree. But, but on the other side, um, I, I think Terzic is facing the problem of the... Uh, short blanket because um, whatever he's doing either the the feet 
uh, standing out and getting cold or the <laughs> or, or, or parts of the rest of the body. And so he sometimes is, is trying <laughs> to put it here and there. And, um, and, and this is uh, all about um, the um, issue we've been talking about often, uh, the balance between defense and, and offense. And, um, and yeah, m maybe um, Borussia needs a, a, a manager that uh, brings in um, mechanisms where the players can rely on in most of the games and that are, um, that are twitched, um, uh, um, that are changed a bit. Uh, from from game to game, yeah. Um, but who could this guy be? I I uh, I wonder. So what you're saying is, and this is a reaction that's been prevalent in, in a lot of the analysis or the lot the fallout from from this game is that, yeah, Terzic might not be the right manager, but we don't know anyone else. <laughs> Which is kind of the Lucien Favre complex or the Lucien Favre syndrome who stayed on at least two years too long because they couldn't find anyone. Are we heading for Lucien Favre too here? Mm. I don't know. Uh, maybe Ralf, Ralf Hasenhüttl um, could be a, um, a solution. Um, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they were also thinking about Urs Fischer. Um, oh. Al although he um, has decided not to uh, come back this season, but to for the start you, of next season. Do you think he would work at Dortmund? Um, I mean, see, his ideas, would, would they work at Dortmund? Not him I'm, personally. I mean, also, Urs Fischer is a, is a pr pragmatic man, and he... Um, he is, I, I think he is seen very much as a defensive coach uh, uh, from his time with um, uh, Union Berlin. Um, but I think he, he played in, in this way because um, it was the best way to overcome the limitations of his squad. And if you give him a different squad with different um, uh, qualities, uh, the football would look Uh, would also look different, but I don't know. It's it's uh, it's just uh, an idea. And um, <clears throat> Ralf Hasenhüttel, um, I think he would he would provide um, a framework, a footballing framework, a, a set of ideas um, that would probably fit to to Borussia Dortmund. And um, but uh, but maybe. Um, Aki Watzko, who is very close um, uh, to Edin Terzic, also on a personal level, um, will keep him. Um, and maybe there's also, also a chance that they um, change the sporting director, um, uh, Sebastian Kehl, because they're really not happy about um, uh, the development of, of the squad. But I think most of these questions of, uh, uh, are still still open right now. Uh, Oliver Glasner is another name that's being mentioned, although he has, of course, um, apart from very good results, also has a history of not getting along too well with those above him. 
And if I think about the um, great need to have a harmonious setup of Borussia Dortmund, especially when it comes to Hans-Jochen Watzke and his coaches, I find it hard to believe that Oliver Glasner would be the right fit there. But in mm-hmm. terms of football, I think it would be a very good appointment. Yeah, I agree. But but um, <laughs> Oliver Glasner now in Germany has a kind of a bit the image of a um, a problem bear, and that is not learning <laughs> Fußball Deutsch, but uh, uh, the problem bear. Uh, it comes back to a, a, a story. Um, a tabloid story about a, a bear in Germany that was um, uh, running around and uh, was obviously seen as a as a problem. And so now we have the uh, fa- a famous or infamous problem bear. Um, but um, there are other problem bear <laughs> around, in, <laughs> and so let's uh, let's jump to the. Um, bottom of the table or not to the red lantern but to um, position 17 because it's uh, FC Cologne is there uh, they lost 2-0 at the Alte Försterei and now uh, there is a discussion going on about uh, Steffen Baumgart uh, Cologne's coach and he himself was not starting this, the discussion because it was uh, already going on, but he's, he said afterwards, yeah, he had to come down and had to, to think about it. And, and, and to me, it sounded a bit like as if uh, Cologne and Stefan Baumgart are going the Bo Svensson, Urs Fischer route, this kind of... Uh, friendly separation also what do you think yeah it does it does uh, smack of a friendly separation or a amicable departure um, really because the results are not getting better nor the performances are they yeah but uh, I, I've seen the um, uh, um, uh, the match and you you you, you could see a team uh, that was um, uh, tactically okay, um, they were giving it all and so on. And and for a lot of time in, in the match, uh, um, they were a much better team than Union, who had a terrible, I mean, shocking um, first 50 minutes or so. But, I mean, it's, it's uh, I was thinking it was like, um, uh, uh, going to the battle with a plastic sword, or so. I mean, um, because you can you can see that the um, the limitations within the FC Cologne squad are are big, and especially that they um, uh, that they are not dangerous at all. I mean, they um, it, and it's not because the. Um, uh, the players up front, uh, David Zelke, for example, but every every uh, or most of the crosses are mistimed. The last pass is unexact, and and so on. And so you have an overall very good setup, and 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 you think, yeah, but your players are not good enough. They look like second division players, and uh, so I don't know if if. Um, 
if uh, this amicable uh, uh, departure or however you call it uh, is a right solution or if um, Cologne should should uh, uh, spare the money and uh, pay it on uh, uh, spend it on the transfer market although we still don't know if they are even allowed uh, to spend money in January because there is its um, ongoing um, process um, because um, between UEFA and and um, FC Cologne about um, it's 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 about a, a player from Slo a youth player from Slovenia um, uh, that um, so let's see accused uh, Cologne is accused of. Um, wie sagt man das? Um, uh, inducing, inducing break of contract. Yeah, yeah they, they signed uh, a teenager in Jaka Chubopotochnik who had a contract with uh, Ljubljana. Himself ripped up the contract, said, I'm terminating because you, you haven't kept all your promises and then signed a contract with Köln the very next day. So under FIFA regulations, the presumption if something like this happens is that you have induced the player to break his contract for unjustified re reasons, because there are justified reasons, for example, if you don't get paid by a club. And uh, they were banned instantly. Um, on appeal, that ban was suspended, but the real ruling is going to come down soon, and then we know whether they can sign players or not. Yeah. So so anyhow, um, uh, the situation is 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 really difficult um, in Cologne, and uh, let's see uh, what comes up after um, everybody has relaxed a bit and uh, has made up uh, their minds. And um, but uh, at least my my impression is. Um, Uh, a change of manager wouldn't help much, uh, wouldn't help uh, Cologne much, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you are, Christoph, but it it feels it feels as if um, we might see a change, especially with the relationship between the sporting director Christian Keller and Stefan Baumgart is uh, as tense as it has been reported by one or two publications in Köln. Uh, before we go, uh, let us quickly whiz through the other results. Hoffenheim, a 3-3 draw against Darmstadt. The goaliest game of this uh, Englische Woche, uh, midweek fixtures. There was, of course, And also a win. Yeah, sorry. There was something interesting from uh, Thorsten Lieberknecht, uh, I think, before the Hoffenheim uh, match um, or afterwards. I, I don't know. Yeah, but in, in general, we were saying... If you want to survive in the Bundesliga, and uh, you uh, you have to be ready to suffer, and we have this we have this race in the bottom of the Bundesliga now with three teams uh, that only have ten points after uh, sixteen games, and uh, and Union Berlin with thirteen uh, points uh, after sixteen games. So that means you're losing a lot. And you're suffering a lot in a in a in a sporting sense, and I think it's also um, to survive there. Um, it's important to to keep the, your nerves under these um, unnerving uh, circumstances. And I think maybe that's one of the uh, uh, strengths of uh, a Darmstadt team that 
mm, has not so many uh, uh, qualities um, uh, a bit similar to what we uh, we were saying about uh, Cologne right uh, uh, just now. Um, that leaves us with a couple of games that we haven't talked about yet. One of them was the surprisingly high-flying Heidenheim beating the slightly surprisingly mid-table-ish SC Freiburg who were failing to live up to their previous incredibly consistent results uh, this season. 3-2 for the newly promoted side. I mean, Heidenheim has now 20 points. 20 Almost points. as many as Dortmund. <laughs> they are 10 points away from the relegation zone. And I think this 3-2 uh, win over, uh, over Freiburg already kind of means that they will uh, play in the Bundesliga next season. And, um, I mean, we have a lot of sensations in, in the Bundesliga. There's a lot of excitement about this fantastic Bayer team, about the fantastic Stuttgart team, and so on. But maybe, uh, for me, the biggest sensation is Heidenheim, because I, 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 I would have expected them rather bottom of the table. And, um, yeah... They are also sometimes quite lucky. Uh, they take a lot of from set pieces and so on. None of the goals against uh, Freiburg came after a set piece, almost a sensation in, a, in the context of a Heidenheim game. So, yeah, uh, sensational uh, performance of Heidenheim, Frank Schmidt and his Heidenheim team uh, in the Bundesliga so far. Yeah, absolutely. And that leaves us with two teams who've been, uh, well, underwhelming, I think is probably the best way to put it. Uh, Producer York is uh, sighing heavy there in his chair. Uh, we can't hear him, but uh, it doesn't look uh, too happy that uh, his beloved Borussia Mönchengladbach, uh, once again beaten, this time uh, away to Eintracht Frankfurt, which leaves our friends from Gladbach in 12 with 17 points from 16 games. I mean, that is pretty, pretty poor. Frankfurt, mind you, and a little bit better in sixth, um, picking up a bit of tailwind, uh, the Eagles there. And uh, yeah, looking probably, uh, maybe I was too harsh on them. They're, they're probably on point for for expectations um but uh, should we should we mention Gladbach I mean yeah, before the start of the show I was talking uh, um, with York about uh, Gladbach and I I was saying uh, uh, for me they are a bit the the graue mouse uh, of the season so far the gray mouse um so the the team that is kind of uh, not very Nothing. interesting yeah because they are they they are not they are not in not in real danger to, uh, to 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 get into the relegation zone. They are not high flying, close. To, they, they are they are walking through nowhere land. And um, I mean, there is some, at least some excitement about uh, uh, Rocco Reitz, for example, among Gladbach supporters. He's one of our own, uh, and now he's coming through and. Uh, 
but yeah, it's um, but but uh, I think the expectations before the season were um, that it's a transitional season for uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach, and now is exactly that, and um, and maybe some. Um, Some people might be even happy that it's boring and not becoming interesting for the wrong reasons. Okay, that's that's how bad things are when you're happy with um, mid-table anonymity and yeah, nothing happening. <laughs> okay, well that's never a good sign if you're happy that nothing is happening. I'm uh, hopeful that you are happy with what was happening in this show and tune in once again when we will return with our end of the year special. A look back at the year in German football, both the national team and uh, the Bundesliga sides. Our big end of the year roundup with maybe one or two awards given out. And if you have one or two questions, we'd be happy to answer them as well. Uh, reach us on the socials. That will be out just before New Year's Eve, I believe. Uh, until such time, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for supporting us. I was I was Christoph Biermann, and we say bye bye. Bye bye. Bier and Honey, the German football podcast.